My mind works in many different kind of strange ways a lot of the time. And for the past couple weeks, I've had the privilege, as I do often, to sit with many folks. They come to my office, they're trying to make sense of their lives, and I get to be the person that helps them see where God is in the midst of all that's going on. It's one of the many blessings of being in this role of pastor. There have been many people, as usual, but in the last few weeks, who have come burdened, who have come with heavy hearts, who have come sharing the challenges, the trials of life, and who have also come trying to make sense of it and trying to see where God is. They have come, some of them, in a matter of what I would call a life review. They've been, some of them, young, but still looking to see what they have done and not done thus far, to see points of interest, life events where God has been very present to them, or perhaps not so much. And it got me thinking. Graduation time, I remember when the girls were little and how fast it happened that they graduated from high school and college. Uh, You know, I got all emotional as I think about that grandbaby coming in a few months. And uh, I remembered also those who I know who died fighting for our freedom. And I don't take lightly the fact that we are here this morning worshiping freely because of them and those that are on duty this morning. So it was a roundabout way that I came to this. But I want us to do some remembering this morning. I want us... I don't know, there's a name for it, and Craig, as the resident therapist in the room, you might know the official title, but there's this, what is it called, a a life events checklist or a life change indicator or a stress indicator. Some of you have probably completed those, and you think through those, those big milestones along your life, along the way, and you think how they had an effect on your life. Some of them are very positive, some of them are very negative, and they had an influence one way or another on your life. So I want to lead us in a type of remembering today, because we have a choice. Life is going to be difficult. That was an old book, I think it's in the 90s, M. Scott Peck, The Road Less Traveled, the first line says, life is difficult. And our Lord and Savior Jesus said it too. In John 16, I think it's verse 33, he said, In this world you will have troubles. But he didn't stop there. He said, But take heart. I have overcome the world. In other words, I am giving you the victory over sin, over death, over any trial that you have. So here we go. Life is difficult, and we have a choice. We have a choice how to approach these life events, how we react and how we respond to them, but also how we live through them. So that's where I want to go today, and I want to take us back to the Old Testament, to a story of the Israelites versus the Philistines. They'd been in battle a long, long time. They were tired. The Israelites were tired. They were discouraged. They were losing heart. And they were doing their own thing. 
They were trying to, to maintain battle on their own. Samuel was a priest, a judge, and God had appointed him as a leader to help the Israelites remember who God was. And scripture says, Samuel helped the Israelites return to the Lord and to revive their affections for the one true God. You see, he helped them get rid of their, their gods, their little g gods, a, a god to the sun and a god to the moon. Because in times of trouble, when they were trying to figure things out, they would default back to those pagan, heathen gods. So Samuel was in charge of helping them see who the sovereign God was and to help them commit themselves to the Lord again. We need to remember that story today. So I want you to go, turn to your Bibles or your, your scripture, wherever that may be. Go to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 7. We're going to start with the 7th verse. When the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. And when the Philistines heard of it, they were afraid. When the Israelites, sorry, you got to get this, I got to get this right. When the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. They said to Samuel, do not stop crying out to the Lord God for us that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it up as a whole burnt sacrifice offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day, the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them in such a panic, some translations say a bunch of chaos, that they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to a point below beth Car. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer saying, thus far, the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they did not invade Israelite territory again. That is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And Ebenezer, it's a stone of help. When God helped the Israelites, after that happened, after they were victorious in battle, Samuel set up an altar, an Ebenezer, a huge stone, I envision, to symbolize that thus far God has helped us. God is the God who is redeeming us, who has helped us. The Ebenezer, I believe, was a monument to God. It was set up as an altar. It was a monument to God's faithfulness and recognizing, helping the Israelites remember God's eternal covenant with God's people. That Ebenezer helped them remember what God had done for them. 
You know, throughout Scripture, there are examples over and over that when something powerful happened, when the people of God had an encounter with God, when they were able to experience God's presence in a powerful way, they put stones up to remember that, hey, something special happened here. I don't want to forget that this is a place where God inhabited and perhaps inhabited their hearts. It was a place that they encountered God, that something special happened, that when they left that place, they were different than when they had stepped onto that place. Our title has a carn. We call it C-A-I-R-N, that pile of rocks. It's a beautiful picture. Some of you may have seen them. I think they're the modern-day Ebenezers. Hiking trails, some beaches have them, especially in Alaska or the New England states. You may have seen them. And I know partly it's a secular use, but for me, any time and every time I see a carn, I stop. I pause because it reminds me of an Ebenezer. It reminds me what I think it may have been like when Samuel set up an altar because something special happened there. Now, in modern day times, these carns are set up, you know, because something special happened there. But also as instead of a blaze on a tree on a hiking trail, it is to guide the way, to lead the way. I believe that as Christians, we have a very important corn of our own. You may think it's silly, but I made this connection. For me, I believe it's the cross. I believe that the cross is a symbol that reminds us that something very special happened just for us. It's a reminder of God's faithfulness. It's a reminder of God's covenant with us, his people. It's a symbol And I must admit that we just, I don't know, I'm generalizing here as I often do, but I think we take it for granted and we use it, we wear it as jewelry and we put it on our doors and it's just kind of fluff stuff. But if we truly believe in the Jesus that we just professed, then the the cross is our Ebenezer. It's a symbol of God's Faithfulness. It's a symbol of our forgiveness, our redemption, our reconciliation, and our restoration. It is a symbol that Jesus truly is the one. That Jesus, our Lord and Savior, is the one who died so that we might live. The cross can be a powerful symbol for us, but I'm afraid we take it for granted. We see crosses all over the place and we just kind of drive right by. We don't pause. We don't stop to remember. Am I right in that? That it's gotten just kind of lackadaisical? The cross is a symbol for us that God gave his only son so that we might have everlasting life, so we might have the hope to keep on keeping on. Because life is difficult. You and I are in the middle of challenges. The Holy Spirit was all over you, Eddie, and I thank you for your word this morning. 
You are exactly right. We are in a battlefield here. We are in the middle of a battle between good and evil. And we are called to soldier on. We are called to have resolve. We are called to step it up and to remember, to remember what God has done for us. You see, in Old Testament times, like Samuel, there were priests and judges and prophets that interceded on the people's behalf. You heard the story. The Israelites went to their leader, their judge, Samuel, and said, hey, pray to God for us. Sacrifice for us. Don't stop praying to God on our behalf. That's the way it was done. But as Christians, as what I call on the other side of the cross, we don't have to go through somebody else. Jesus is our intercessor. Jesus was the sacrificial lamb. He was the atoning sacrifice. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And because of him, we have complete access to our sovereign God, our faithful heavenly Father. I want to take you to three different scriptures that I want you to take with you this week. Because I feel sure that there's a reason why we need to spend time on this. You see, Jesus is our high priest. Jesus died, I keep saying this, so we might live. But are we really doing what we're called to do? Go to Hebrews 4. Listen to this good news. Hebrews 4, starting with the 14th verse. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens... Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. i got to stop there. Worship for me personally, and I hope it was for you, was extremely powerful this morning. Because I heard the words, and not only was I thinking them with my mind, but I was praying them with my heart. And I was reminded yet again of the good things that our faithful, compassionate Father has done for me and for you. That's the faith that we are called to profess. Verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. So here we go. Verse 16, let us then approach the, grace with co- the, the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. Jesus, our high priest, says, I've done it all for you. You have the victory over sin and death. Whatever battle you are in the middle of, I have fought for you. Keep on fighting. And did you hear what Paul is saying to the people and to us this morning? It says, go to that throne of grace boldly. We don't have to go to some other leader and say, pray hard for us, sacrifice for us. We say, this is what I need, God. God, you are sovereign. You are holy. You can do whatever I want you to do. It is the desire of my heart for you to 
Fill in the blank. And then I believe we are called to pray as Jesus prayed, but not my will, but thine be done. How are you praying? Are you approaching the throne of grace boldly with confidence? If not, step it up. God is such a good God. He is with us through the challenge, through the suffering. And as you are going through your life assessment and going through that checklist of life events, when you are in the middle of these stressful things that you don't know the outcome, he's saying, I'm with you. I'm with you. Friends, let's hang on to this. This is good news. Some of you are going into some deep stuff this coming week. And I claim fully with you that God is with you. God goes before you. God is God. You might not know how it's going to work. You might not know how you're going to get from day to day. But Jesus said, I got your back. You have the victory. You can do this. You can do this. Go back to Deuteronomy. This is our heritage. This is, you know, the Israelites were God's chosen people. And this is what God says. The Lord didn't set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than, numerous than other people. For you were the fewest of all people. But listen, verse 8 It was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. This is our our heritage. This is our family we're reading about. Verse 9, know therefore the Lord your God is God. He is a faithful God keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. That's the promise of God. That's how I, you, we can get up every morning and claim, okay, I'll keep on keeping on. I will. I will. I can. That's the promise of God. It's our family heritage. And then go to Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 3. These are, oh, I hope you will feed upon these words this week. These are indeed the promises of God. Lamentations 3, starting with the 22nd verse. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. In other words, we may be in a fire. We may be in a roaring battlefield, but God promises that we are not consumed for his, God's compassions or his mercies never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. In Hebrew, wait is often synonymous with hope. I will wait for him. I will hope in him. Verse 25, the Lord is good 
to those whose hope is in him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. My friends, this is good news to me. This is how I can get through some days that are some challenges. We all face the challenge. You know, sometimes we're up, sometimes we're down. But this, what does scripture say? The word of God never fails. Grass may wither, grass may fade, but the word of God stands forever. Let's stand boldly on the word of God. Let's remember our Ebenezer, the cross of Jesus. Let's remember his sacrifice. And let's remember the confidence, the boldness, the courage, the victory that we have through Christ Jesus our Lord. One of my favorite hymns is Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And it talks about the Ebenezer Stone. And it truly is a kind of a, a reminder, a summary of the song, of the, of the scripture. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy praise. Streams of mercy never ceasing call forth songs of loudest praise. And then there's a part that says, here I raise my Ebenezer. In other words, as we're singing, as we're praying, we're raising an altar with our heart. I'm raising to you, God, my Ebenezer. I am raising to you the fact that I know I got this far because of you. Thus far, the Lord has helped me. It says, uh, here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by your help I'm come. That means I've gotten here because of you, O Jesus. And then it talks about the grace of God like a fetter. Now, you know, we don't talk about fetters every day. But a fetter is a a chain. Uh, um, What's another word? Shackle. Let us be so shackled. Let us be so tied to the love of Jesus, the grace that God gives us, that when our heart is prone to wander, we will be bound to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's my prayer for you and for me as we soldier on, as we move forward, as we live life to the best of our ability. God is faithful. God is loving and compassionate. God is sovereign. We're up against all these little G-gods every single day. And let's make a choice to get back on track and say, God, you are my sovereign God. It is you. You're the one I worship. You're the one that I'm going to focus on. You're the one. Now, we're going to sing this together, but I, you know, since I was a little girl, you have to understand, I grew up on a farm in Minnesota, and one of our jobs was to pick up rocks, because as the, the ground would settle, rocks and the granite would, would come out in the fields, and then it would ruin the farm equipment, so we'd have to go out and pick up rocks. But I, I found such beauty in rocks, and I collected them. 
all throughout my life, I've been collecting rocks. And if you come to our living room in my little table altar spot, there's different rocks. They are Ebenezer's from different places where things happened and they remind me of who God is and remind me never to give up. So as we sing, as you pray, come get some rocks if it speaks to you and let that be a tangible reminder your Ebenezer that thus far you're here we're here because God has got us here